You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. In the email, he said that he had listened to all 90-something podcasts so far and that he was beginning to begin them again. And I thought, wow. And then he said he was touched by the content of this podcast and the guest speakers we had and he felt like he knew you and me and Lark personally and that he wanted to search out the possibility of actually studying with us even though he lives in Mexico and Florida at different times of the year. And so that struck up a relationship, and we had a Zoom call and a Zoom chat, and one thing led to another, and I asked him, Garrett, if he would be a guest on the podcast, and he said he certainly would. So that brings us to tonight. Great. Great. So, well, Garrett, how did you first hear about the Enneagram? You know, the first time I heard about it was a few years ago, a minister that I knew was hosting a series of classes and I was unable to attend, but there was just something that just pulled me to wanting to learn more about it. And I began reading books and visiting websites and, and watching videos. And, you know, I was, I was so intrigued, but it wasn't until I took a three-day workshop with Robert Holden a couple of years ago. And then I became like really hooked, you know, it was like, I want to know even more. So I'm currently enrolled in a year long immersion program with Russ Hudson and Jessica Dib. And I'd like to say that I didn't find the Enneagram that it found me when I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. And for me, the Enneagram really captures the, the vibratory nature of what it's like to be a spiritual being having a human experience. You know, like really nothing else can or does, at -hmm. least for me. Mm -hmm. In your studies, what ego type do you identify with? I identify with type six. And as they say with sixes, it took me a long time to get there. I was like a one, I was a three, (laughs) I was a spot, a four, but I'm a six. Okay, great. And in listening to the podcast, what has drawn you to uh, the Institute for Conscious Being? You know, I listened to along the way a few others and some are really very good and others just didn't quite have the depth. But as someone who identifies as a type six, like I get these really intuitive hits about who I can trust and who is genuine (laughs) and who is authentic. And um, from the first episode that I listened to, I just got that feeling from both of you. And it it also really became clear to me that you're not just teaching the Enneagram, that you're really living it in community with others and that is like so appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and beyond that, the way Dr. Joe explains the Enneagram, it's in such a, like a rich, but simple way. <laughs> um, you just have a way of, of taking these, these sort of complex concepts and, and making them so accessible for people. Mm-hmm. And it was really like being able to see through listening to your podcasts. I, I really saw how each point is so unique and yet interrelated with all the others so as I listened more, that 
your podcast really helped me to to really determine, yeah, I'm a six, you know, mm-hmm. and this is how I move around the Enneagram, but this is how I've, all the other energies move around the Enneagram as, as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I love the that you focus so much on the soul child yeah. aspect of the Enneagram. And to me that, it, you know, it, it's not just about the type that we are, but how our type uniquely helps us to make our way back to that soul child. I love that. So yeah. I'm curious, you know, that you, since you brought up the soul child, what was your first remembrance or do you remember when you first realized that your soul child was at the nine? What was that like for you? You know, I think when I realized it was, I'm a three-time cancer survivor, but after the second time I had cancer, and I was always like so, so afraid of death and dying and and illness and especially cancer, and, and then I got it, and the second time really became such a gift to me. It really was like a, such a teacher and a gift, and I realized that I just all of a sudden had this moment of what I consider grace and and where I, I just had this feeling like everything is going to be okay. Like I was just at peace. I was at rest. I was at, I didn't have to keep moving and doing and fearing and, you know, and it just felt beautiful, you know, and it took the Enneagram for me to really kind of look back and kind of put all that together. Yeah. Yeah. And those glimpses of soul, once we begin to know what that feels like, it's easier to have that more often. Yes. You know, to go for you to that peaceful place. For me, it's, you know, the place of compassion and connection where we're not separate and I don't have to be the boss. And it's more of a place of serving instead of forcing, which eights totally understand the whole idea of forcing. You know, we just kind of force our way through everything, you know. and But soul doesn't do that, you know. So that's what... I think that's kind of the heart of why we do this. You know, the the Enneagram has been so life-giving for me. You know, I don't have to be such a raging jerk all the time anymore. So anyway, yeah. So I I just wanted to kind of hear what you thought about that, that that first kind of touch where you realize, well, you know, we've all, we've all felt it at different times, but the Enneagram gives us some vocabulary for what's happening and, you know, allows us to kind of put some awareness around what that is, you know, when you feel it and you go to it. So, Joe? Well, I'm just curious as well, Garrett, in all of your education of the Enneagram, I would just like to know what you have been able to pull together as your own idea of what your soul is like, what the qualities are that you know that you are having this human experience. You know, the simplest way to answer is that I know I am love. You know, and and I'm not fear. You know, fear is part of my my personality type, but that's not what I am. I'm love, you know? Yeah. That's good. That's really good. 
Well, you mentioned to us before we got started that you are married. You just got married a few months ago, is that right? Okay. Yeah, over the summer, in July. In July. Okay, congratulations on that. But you've been together 31 years. Yes. And so how has, you know, the learning of the Enneagram maybe supported or maybe opened your eyes in relationship? You know, it's been amazing. And my husband's name is Brian. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian is... Um, he kind of goes along on the ride with me, like all the spiritual <laughs> stuff, but, but you know, he's listening all the time and he's like, but it's been really interesting because we've, you know, he's done, done some testing and, and figured out and, and it turns out he's between a four and a nine tie. So okay. it's, it's interesting that my soul child is at his type, you oh, know, yeah. What I think the Enneagram has done is to help us to have a language to talk about conflict, to talk Mm -hmm. about what's going on between us, to talk about, you know, to just have a language to say, or or for me to understand, oh, I get it. I'm being this certain way. Maybe I could balance it out or, you know, to see where he's coming from in a way that isn't judgmental Mm -hmm. and isn't charged, Yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's helped me even more so over the years I've done this, but even more so with the Enneagram to really embrace and to accept Brian's shadow and his light. And in doing that, it's helped me really to embrace my own more. Mm, That's good. That's good. I I have a similar situation. My my wife, her personality type is an ego type too, which is where my soul type goes. And so I get to, you know, live in relationship with somebody who is healthy and always a very good example of, you know, my soul child, you know, it's living in that space has been really healthy for me. So I can relate to that for sure. And I can also relate to those conversations where, you know, when you have somebody that kind of gets you in that language we have language to put around what's going on and that sort of thing it's always it's always really helpful when uh I start getting like I get for you know she can just kind of lift an eyebrow and I know okay (laughs) you just settle down you know so well that's great so what with you know your Enneagram journey what are you learning about now? What's been new to you recently? Really spending a lot of time with recently uh, the holy ideas mm. and, and understanding those more. You know, I feel like, you know, I, it's like I know such a little amount, you know, but I know <laughs> enough to like keep mm-hmm. me going, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just to see these holy ideas in a way that they are something that are so intangible. They're so... So unique to us, like when I think about holy faith, you know, it's like that really has transformed my life, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not something that you can go after or say, I'm going to go get this holy idea. <laughs> you know, it's like you do the work and you learn and you keep going and then it just sort of happens, you know, mm-hmm. by grace, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like the holy idea for me, too, was another aha moment of just real just much deeper understanding of my ego type and also my soul type, you know? So I, you know, the holy, the holy truth of the, of the idea that we're just not separate 
you know. And as an eight, you know, you're either with me or against me. And then to, to understand that, that that's my holy idea and the virtue of simplicity and innocence, you know, we, we do a lot of teaching and conferences and seminars, and often people want to know more about how to understand their holy idea. And I think part of it is setting an intention to sit with it, you know, but Joe, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, you know, the thing that crossed my mind when Garrett was talking about holy faith was also the other part of the holy idea, which is Garrett's holy strength. And I think of you, Garrett, coming through a harrowing situation physically three times. And I think to myself, my gosh, what strength must he have gotten in touch with to actually surmount these life-threatening circumstances? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you say something about that? Yeah, you know, it's... It is, you know, it's a funny thing, like we say with sixes, you can, you're afraid, you're afraid, you're afraid, but when something really happens, you can rise to the occasion, you know, and that's sort of it, but but even beyond that, it, it really was just this sort of faith in knowing that no matter what the diagnosis, no matter what happened, that I was going to be okay, that I'm held by something so much bigger than I am, mm-hmm. you know, the third cancer happened right at the start of the pandemic. So, so dicey, you know, they weren't hospitals, weren't doing things that, you know, I couldn't have visitors and I had to go get my thyroid removed. And I just remember getting ready to be wheeled into surgery and just feeling absolutely bliss, you know, mm. um, it, it was incredible. So mm. I, I, I say it's a gift because it, obviously not something I want to have happen again, but it's, you know, but it's taught me so much and given me the opportunity to, to realize, I guess, just how strong I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit more about being held? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like it's almost like I had moments of mysticism during a lot of that, you know, where I felt this incredible oneness with, with everything really, you know, and just, just such a, a trust that like, if I fall, something's going to catch me if I, you know, and as that happened more like it, you know, I start seeing in my life, I have incredible prayer partners that I pray with every day. I have, you know, there's so much support around me and I really just realize, yes, this is a human ex- experience I'm having but this is so much bigger. We can almost not, you know, we can't really even see it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And that, that makes me feel held. Yeah. Right, right. And could that be part of the bliss? Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what is it like when you are hurt by somebody else? Intentionally or unintentionally? What do you do? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I I beat myself up over it. You know, it, it's hard. It's it's. I feel betrayed. I feel, you know, very vulnerable. You know, and then and then what I do with it. You know, I I do. I pray about it. I think about, you know, what can I do to release that 
hurt, you know? Well, our, you know, our listeners don't get to see your face while you're talking. I mean, we're on Zoom doing this podcast, and I was watching your face when you were talking about the moment of bliss and the feeling of being held, and, you know, your countenance, like if I could bottle that up and sell it, we could just be billionaires, you know, and... And really, that's what this journey and this work is about, is finding your way back to soul, to the place of being held. It really does mean no good to know that I'm an ego type 8, other than bringing awareness to those ego traits so that I can find my way back to my truest nature, you know? And it's in that place that we find the antidote to the suffering, you know, that we've caused ourselves for me, the suffering of pitting myself against everyone else and forcing my way through life, when really, when we can find that place of being held, even if we're being wheeled back for a critical surgery, we're okay, you know? And if the the bank account is affected or the relationship is affected or we're hurt by someone there's a deeper place than that, you know? And so that's what, you know, in talking with people like you, Garrett, we've never met before. You live somewhere very far away from me, but yet I feel so connected because I feel like we're on such a similar journey in, you know, just finding that place, finding that wholeness, that connection to the divine, you know? And you're right, you know, being in community with others, like your prayer partners. And for me... You know, my community has been ICB for many years now because I was originally very hurt by church and have found my way back to a wonderful church. But for a long time, I stayed away. But then to find a community of people that are loving and accepting and represent to you what we're talking about here. You know, they don't care what you look like. They don't care, you know... They just, there's a connection there at a much deeper level. So, and it's, it's a wonderful place to be for growth, you know, and I know the first conference I went to with Dr. Howell, they couldn't get rid of me after that. I was like, can I sweep? Can I load the car? Can I, you know, and like, who is this woman who keeps following us around? But that was that feeling I was looking for, you know, of acceptance and love and connection so, no, I definitely resonate with that, for sure. Yeah, thank you for that. That's beautiful. And going back to uh, when I'm hurt, you know, I think the Enneagram has really helped me to see that, number one, I'm probably also hurting somebody else at the same time, you know. So, like, I have to look at that shadow part of myself. But, you know, the people who I perceive to be hurting me, I, I will think, you know, they also have a snow child mm-hmm. in there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can feel more compassion and that helps me also to let go of some of what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people you want to think they can't possibly have a soul, but But they do, you know, and the truth is the truth is the things that I'm most frustrated with them about are a part of me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey Garrett, I was I was interested in what's next for you. What's on the horizon? You're obviously a very talented human being and you're interested in spirituality. You're a minister and writer and traveler. 
what's on the horizon for you? You know, good question. And I used to really have this, uh, I used to have to know, like beyond a shadow of a doubt that whatever <laughs> I was learning or doing was going to take me somewhere or have some kind of payoff, like this guarantee. And, you know, cancer, the Enneagram, you know, all this has taught me, like, I don't need to know, you know, that being said, I, you know, I, I'm a writer, I'm an interfaith minister, I'm a life cycle celebrant. So I hope to use the Enneagram to, to do a number of things, to, you know, to write about it, to teach other people about it, to use it um, when I marry couples, maybe do it with some counseling with them. Um, in the spiritual direction that I do with individuals and organizations. And I also really plan to enroll in your your Institute of Conscious Being into your program and to take the next intensive because I, I just have this intuitive feeling that whatever I'm meant to do with the Enneagram, studying with, with you will help me to, to do it, you know? I, as a six, I worry, and I, I worry a lot about the world, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I see just how divisive everything is, and it's just, there just seems to be no solution, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, I think that, you know, I, I really believe that the Enneagram holds the key to something. <laughs> there's something there, you know? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if I can somehow help to bring it more out into the world, I believe that the Enneagram helps us to, to find ourselves in each other. Absolutely. You know? and by doing that, really, we're going to save our, ourselves and our, our planet. Mm -hmm. you know? And really, I, I, I follow your podcast and I also read your daily message every day, which also is amazing. Because I hope, however I do it, I hope to do it in a way that is as thoughtful and gentle as you do it. Uh, by the way, I'm so happy that you're going to join the ICB program. You'll be interested that the intensive in January, which will be your first, is on the heart center of intelligence. And, you know, that's the emotions. And we learn our emotions in our family of origin. And they're the first people who we usually interplay our emotions against and to, and we're having an expert on the Enneagram and family dynamics. Oh, cool. Josette Nard is a psychotherapist in Chicago, and she will be coming down to give some talks and actually live demonstrations and helping us to reconstruct our own families in terms of any types and their emotional impact upon us. And it promises to be a fantastic portion of that intensive. Wow, nice. So we're excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I do think it's growing in consciousness is just... I think it's so much easier in community and it's just to find a group of people of seekers that are kind of on that same path and committed to that same kind of growth is it's priceless, you know, but we, yeah, we definitely look forward to having you join with us before we leave. Is there any questions or anything you have for Dr. Howell or anything, any insights, Garrett? You know, I wanted to know a little bit more about in your program how you make the Enneagram experiential for people so that they can really embody it and feel it. 
the, what you just talked about, the person you'll be having coming down sounds like it will be, you know, be kind of like that. And, you know, what else maybe you do that uh, helps with, with that? Garrett, we have what's called the living Enneagram. And it means that a faculty member or a, an advanced student persons the energy of one of the points. So we have nine people sitting in an actual physical Enneagram that's kind of on the floor and in the configuration of the Enneagram. And then we have an inquirer who has a question that is very burning and they want an answer and they don't have an answer. They don't even have a container for finding this answer. And this answer may not be a directive. It just might be a way to approach a problem. And they ask every person around that Enneagram what they would do if it were their problem. And then the person answering answers from their holy idea or their virtue or both. And what happens is miraculous. It gives me chills when you say that. <laughs> you know? It is. Yeah. It is. I, early on, I asked the question, what if I screw up my kids? And the answers. I, my parenting is different. And I would say that my family dynamics are different from that one experience of just having that answered from each holy idea and virtue. But yeah, people bring things that are just very, that are heavy on their hearts. And, uh, and you know, I usually sit at the eight because there's not many eights. And it's amazing how those answers come to you when you're in that place. You know, like you said early in this podcast, this, this vibrational energy that is present. What we do in, in these trainings is we come into the room, we're present. You know, we try to leave out, you know, all those stresses and the worries and the things that we had back home. We try to come together and the consciousness there and just that, that vibrational energy is palpable and it brings a lot of wisdom. So yeah, that's one way. That's only one way, which is a really, really amazing thing that we do. But we do spend a lot of time on spiritual practice and what that means for each of the ego types and what is the felt what is the felt sense of soul and how do we become aware and conscious of that and bring ourselves back to that more often in this human experience you know so you know there are times that people get frustrated at our trainings that we don't talk type more because we're not a typing group. We don't, you know, we obviously do some deep dives in the master's programs on, you know, subtypes and things like that. But even those talks are meant to help us find our way, like, you, like you've mentioned, in this human journey back to soul and how to, to live there more. So it's very life-giving and, and for me has been life-saving and that's why, you know, we do it three times a year and just about the time you need it, it's time to go again, <laughs> you know. So anyway, 
I don't know if that answers your question or not. Enjoy it. Yeah. There's a lot of small groups that meet. You would be in one, Garrett, and you would have your own mentor in that group, and they take a deeper dive after hearing the lectures and the video presentations. There's a lot of music. We use actual live music. Wow. You may have, uh, I don't know if you've gotten to know Melanie and Drexel yet. They've been on some of the podcasts. Yes. But you will love how the music just envelops you. So there are multimedia ways that we learn and live the Enneagram. Yeah, I read, I think it was one of your daily messages, you had somebody come down that used movement, like yes. the movie, yes. which I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah. Right? So good. Finlayson, yes, an Enneagram dancer, fabulous. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Garrett. It's been absolutely wonderful seeing your face and meeting you. Really looking forward to getting to spend more time with you in the future. And Dr. Howe, do you have anything else? I don't. I just bows to you, Garrett, and thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And tell Lark I said hello and, and have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And to our listeners, we invite you to send any questions or comments to therealenneagram at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot org. We love to hear from you. So please, 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 if you have any questions or comments, let us know. So thank you for joining us again today, and we look forward to next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram at The Real Enneagram. Or if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening.